Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Our narrative takes us to Florida and the French Protestant Huguenot colonists in 1565 when the Spanish decided to enforce their claim to La Florida and establish the settlement of St. Augustine to challenge the French at nearby Fort Caroline. French Florida was a colonial territory established by French Huguenot colonists in what is now Florida and South Carolina between 1562 and 1565. The colonial endeavor was started following plans by the French Huguenot leader, Admiral of France, Gaspard de Coligny, to establish New World colonies where his persecuted Protestant co-religionists could safely establish themselves. French Huguenots made two attempts to establish a haven in North America. In 1562, naval officer Jean Ribot led an expedition that explored Florida and the present-day southeastern USA and founded the outpost of Charles Fort on Paris Island, South Carolina. The French wars of religion precluded a return voyage, and the outpost was abandoned. In 1564, Ribot's former lieutenant, René Goulin de Laudonnière, launched a second voyage to build a colony. He established Fort Caroline in what is now Jacksonville, Florida, as a safe haven for Huguenots, who were being persecuted in France because they were Protestants rather than Catholics. In 1953, the U.S. National Park Service established the Fort Caroline National Memorial along the southern bank of the St. John's River near the point that commemorates Laudonnière's first landing. The exact site of the former Fort Caroline is unknown. However, the memorial is generally accepted as being in the vicinity of the original fort. The Satariwa were a Timucua chiefdom centered on the mouth of the St. John's River in what is now Jacksonville, Florida. They were the largest and best attested chiefdom of the Timucua subgroup known as the Mokama, who spoke the Mokama dialect of Timucuayan and lived in the coastal areas of present-day northern Florida and southeastern Georgia. One of the 500 indigenous nations and cultures that blanketed North America, they were a prominent political force in the early days of European settlement in Florida, forging friendly relations and alliances with the French Huguenot settlers at Fort Caroline in Satariwa territory. The Satariwa are so-called after their chief at the time of contact with the Europeans, Satariwa. At that time, the chief's main village was located on the south bank of the St. John's River, and he was sovereign over 30 other chiefs and their villages. The Satariwa Conservation Area on the St. John's River is crawling with wildlife, including many rare and protected species, rich in ecological diversity and artifacts illustrating northeastern Florida's dramatic history. The St. John's River is the longest river in Florida, flowing 310 miles north from its headwaters at Blue Cypress Lake, in Indian River County to its mouth where it empties into the Atlantic Ocean east of Jacksonville, near where French Huguenot Fort Caroline stood. Eric Yanis of the Other States of America podcast concludes his compelling version of this incredible story. Welcome back to our thrilling saga of French Florida. Upon hearing from Menendez that he had taken Fort Caroline and slaughtered everybody there, Ribot surrenders. Ribot's group, like every French group found from the shipwrecks, 
were rounded up and separated into two groups, those who were Catholic and those who were Huguenot. Those who were Huguenot were led one by one behind a sandy bank. And here again, let's turn to the conflicting accounts about Rabot's fate. In one account, Rabot was informed by a soldier who had him alone behind the bank with his arms tied that he had orders to kill him. Rabot was given time to recite Psalm 132, replacing all the Davids with himself. And then his head was cut off, split into four pieces, and put on the four corners of St. Augustine, christening the city. Count says Rabot was run through with a pike, sword, and dagger. In another report, having learned about his impending doom, Rabot replied, We are of the earth, and to the earth we must return. Twenty years sooner or later will matter little. However, another report says the exact opposite. Rabot, upon learning of his demise, begged Menendez to reconsider and to think about all the promises he just made. And in yet another report, we hear that Captain San Vicente stabs Rabot in the stomach. Gonzalo de Salas put a pike through Rabot's heart. No matter how you look at it, the end result was the same. Menendez, in his own account, described what he did to the Huguenots among the shipwrecked sailors. He said, I had their hands tied behind them and had them stabbed to death. The number of Frenchmen Menendez killed in this fashion, one by one with their arms tied behind their back, stabbed nonetheless, is about 350 men. Many were turned into galley slaves, and any musicians again spared to entertain the murderers. Menendez himself would organize an effort to capture every Frenchman he could, finding many living among the natives who couldn't be coaxed into surrendering to them and having them sent off as galley slaves or murdered right there on the spot. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Back to the outskirts of Fort Caroline. These scattered peoples in the woods would move towards the coast, far away from Fort Caroline before they'd ever poke their head out of the tree line again. We have Loudon Air, who's wounded but alive and estimates about 50 to 60 other people made it out to the front of the St. John's River along the coast, hoping that some French ships were there to rescue them. They were desperate, but they knew that the Spanish force had been overland. Perhaps there were still some French ships anchored right off the coast. And this is when Jacques Rabot picks them all up. The small group, 50 to 60 people, out of the hundreds of Frenchmen who are dumped off here, make their way back to France. The de facto leaders, Jacques Rabot and Laudonnaire, used all their parts and all the boats they had to make three strong boats with cannon and everything they would need to make it back across the ocean, racing to do so as the Spanish, of course, were lurking everywhere. They loaded their ships with what they report as swampy water and moldy bread, and they head out. The three ships become separated in a storm, one of which is pursued by a Spanish ship. 
the Spanish ship was so intent on catching up and taking the French over that the French had to fire at it again and again, fill it full of so many cannonballs and shot that blood began running out of the Spanish scupper holes. And only then did they back off. One of the ships named the Pearl made it back to France, and the colonists became sick even after returning, many of whom died in the weeks following. Laudonnaire on a ship called the Greyhound ended up in Wales and nearly died after docking from some combination of malnutrition and all the communal diseases that you would find on board a ship in the 16th century. Laudonnaire waited about six months before returning to France and facing the king and the queen mother herself. Of course, his account would paint the Spanish as demons. And this would pile on to the many accounts, including all the widows who returned home to tell these horrible tales of treatment at the hands of the Spanish and the slaughter of their husbands, all in a supposed time of peace with the Spanish Empire. The widows wanted blood. They wanted revenge. And the public, too, wanted blood. They wanted revenge. The French were incensed by the actions of Menendez colored in the worst possible way by his bitter enemies who made it back to France. The answer to their pleas would be Dominique de Gorges, a nobleman and a warrior, a proud Frenchman who had one point been captured by the Spanish and turned into a galley slave, a harsh and menial task far below his rank, along with most of Spain, a staunch Catholic. But his own feelings towards his neighbors to the south would overwhelm any religious affiliation whatsoever. And he himself actually fought the Huguenots in the first French civil war of religion. But for de Gorgias, this was not a religious matter. This was a national matter. This was a blood feud between people. And it was his turn as the right arm of the French to strike back at those Spanish who had slaughtered his people without mercy, without regard, without humanity. Privately, Dominique de Gorgias spent his own funds to raise a force, about 230 men and a couple ships. Having no official orders from the crown, the purpose of this fleet and this armed force was supposedly to capture slaves along the coast of Africa. But those close to him knew exactly what he intended to do. He set sail for Florida and found his way to the St. John's. And that's where he ran to along the shores, the great leader, Satira or Satiriba, different pronunciations of the same name. The great leader of a faction of the Timicoa Native Americans. And when Satira asked him, Sir, Frenchman, why are you here? What are your intentions? Dominique de Gorgias said something to the effect of, I have come here to kill the Spanish and to leave. Satira pleased to see somebody land who would take out the Spanish and then themselves go back to where they came from and leave him alone, said, I will pledge my force to aid you. And so now a combined French and native force are closing in on the former Fort Caroline which Menendez renamed San Mateo. Menendez kept a number of soldiers at the fort, his main force being at St. Augustine. But these men in San Mateo, they had been ravaging the countryside, destroying the native villages surrounding them, raping women and murdering children. And when de Gorgias and the natives reached San Mateo, they killed everyone. And the Spanish soldiers who managed to surrender, they were hung from the very same trees that the Spanish themselves hung all of the French colonists. And as if to reply to Menendez, de Gorges wrote above the hung Spanish soldiers, This is done not as unto Spaniards, but as unto liars, thieves, and murderers. Not long after this point, French officials would admit to Spanish officials in their official correspondence that Florida was in fact part of New Spain and not New France. 
And this, my dear friends, is the end of the saga of French Florida. After centuries, most Huguenots have assimilated into the various societies and cultures where they settled, including Catholic Quebec in Canada. Today, there are some Reformed communities around the world, including the United States, that continue to retain their Huguenot identity. Calvinists in the United Protestant Church of France still retain their beliefs and Huguenot designation. In the United States, there are several Huguenot worship groups and societies. The Huguenot Society of America has headquarters in New York City and has a broad national membership. One of the most active Huguenot groups is in Charleston, South Carolina. While many American Huguenot groups worship in borrowed churches, the congregation in Charleston has its own church. Although services are conducted largely in English, every year the church holds an annual French service, which is conducted entirely in French. Typically, the annual French service takes place on the first or second Sunday after Easter in commemoration of the signing of the 1598 Edict of Nantes, which granted the Calvinist Huguenot Protestants of France substantial rights in the Catholic nation. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y using the code 30605.